Well, we're still on our series on Wednesday night, Growing in the Christian Life. We're growing in the Christian life, and tonight we're going to touch on the subject, By all means, save some. By all means, save some. I want you to take your Bible, look over 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're talking about growing in the Christian life. One of the uh, realities of the Christian life uh, is that in order to truly be I guess, mature in the Christian life, growing in the Christian life, you have to be reproducing. All right? Now, I mean, uh, you know, um, if you're going to grow in this life, you're growing in age, you're growing in a number of ways. Eventually, you end up getting married. You have children often. And if, you're, if the Lord permits you to have children and things like that. And so you're growing. Your family grows. Your, unfortunately, your, your body grows. And and a lot of other things. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> you're growing, all right? Well, the Christian life's the same. There are things that are supposed to take place in a growing Christian's life. I mean, if you're really growing in the Christian life, you'll see evidence of growth. And one of the great evidences of growth in the Christian life is this aspect of reproduction, reproducing after your own kind, so to speak, begetting other believers. And so uh, we're going to talk about growing in the Christian life. And it's, you know, this, the topic is basically by all means save some. And beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to begin there in verse 16, and then we'll read to the end of the chapter, which is verse 27. So we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 16, read right through verse 27. <clears throat> For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me, if I preach not the gospel. By the way, let me just say this. If you claim to be called to preach, and you can do anything other than preach, you probably aren't called. I mean, if you're comfortable and you're content doing anything other than proclaiming the Word of God, if you can uh, work for the government, you can work for the school system, you can uh, work uh, for the city, whatever it might be. If you, if you find yourself in a place where you're very comfortable with that, you feel very content with that, you don't have this driving hunger to, <clears throat> to, to preach the gospel, to be involved in service uh, in a constant, continual, full-time manner, there's something wrong with that kind of call to the ministry. I'm a little concerned about that. <clears throat> See, many times we misunderstand the call. We think the call is to um, youth rallies. The calls to um, conferences. The call is about doing something, having a, um, what do you want to call it? A, uh, uh, you know, a ministry, yes, but I guess uh, things to do. I, I want to be a preacher because I, I, I want to be a youth director. I, I want to I have, have youth activities, and I want to have a youth rally, and I want to pastor so I can, I can head up a bus ministry, or I can head this up or do this. That's not the call. I'm about fed up with that. <clears throat> I get a little bit tired of young people that want to get called to being a youth director. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Called to a youth director? What's a youth director? I can get anybody in the pew to be a youth director. <clears throat> I'm telling you, if I find somebody's got a heart for God, they can direct youth. 
What I need is a man of God, and I need somebody, just like God's looking for somebody, that has a call to the ministry. And the ministry is not about doing a bunch of things. The ministry is about people. Anybody can get a list of things and say, we're going to have a youth rally, and we've got to do this, 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 and this. I need to delegate this, 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 and this. And I need to make sure this, 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 and this gets done. But what I don't see today in our world are men that feel the call to people and souls. I mean, yeah, anybody likes to stand in a pulpit and preach. Especially if everybody's going to gather around so they can listen to them. Look at me. I'm the preacher. Everybody take your Bible. Turn over to. That's not the call. The call's the people. The call is I can't wait to be there for somebody in the midst of a crisis. The call is there's people dying all around me and going to hell and I want to do something about it and it bothers me to no end. I would do it for free. Whoa. Free? Yeah, if you wouldn't do it for free, you won't do it for pay. Now see, that's the one thing you have the luxury over a pastor today. You don't have to work for free and enjoy it. You can always change your job. We can't. We don't have that option. Because if the call is really in our life, we can do nothing but what we do. And when it gets tough, you can't just leave. When the church gets all messed up, you still got to stay. And that's why I'm concerned that there aren't as many called men as we think there are, because I watch them get up and run out. <clears throat> and I don't, see them in very, uh, I don't see them very concerned about souls today. I, I, I miss, we're missing something today. And that's what we're talking about today. By all means, save some. But hold on a second. That's not just the job of the preacher, though. Now, the call is about people, and the call is about souls. That's what the real call is. If you don't wake up in the middle of the night worried about people, and yet you feel called to the ministry, there's something wrong with your call. Because it's not a call to the ministry. It's a call to service, maybe. But, but, but we want people, God's looking for men that are called to people, to service, to others, that will die to self. That, but then in the end, that's not just the preacher's job either, though. In the end, we're going to find that God expects every one of us to be concerned about souls of men now. That's an area that we have to be very concerned about. And the Bible tells us over here in the book of Corinthians... As he begins talking, he's sharing, he's telling us some things here. Verse, I'll find my place again. 17, verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory, for neither the necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Isn't, is that the, that's the attitude of the called man of God. That's the attitude right there. I got to do this. I can't do anything but this. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if, I, if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Hey, either way, he's got to do it, though, see? He can't do anything but this. He might as well do it willingly. Because he gets a reward. If he doesn't do it willingly, he doesn't. 
Verse 18, what is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Wow. He said, I don't have to put up with this. But I do, so I can win more of you to Christ. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing to me. Verse 20, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Watch, he he has to clarify this. Being not without law to God, (laughs) but under the law to Christ. You see what he's saying? He's saying, uh, he's saying, I'm not going to go out there and live lawlessly so I can reach somebody that's in sin. He's making some things clear here. He goes on to say, to the, to the weak became I weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men. By the way, you notice he's made all things? He's made all things? If you were made weak, did you volunteer for it? Probably not. If I made you go to the store, did you do it voluntarily? You may have eventually said, okay, fine, I'll do it. But you're going to the store because I'm making you. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Notice Paul here, the apostle, he, he didn't choose to do these things. These were things that he was made to do. Again, we notice here, he says... I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. You know what the misinterpretation of that is, or the misquote? I became all things. In the sense that I became, I went ahead and started drinking a beer so I could reach people that sat in the bars. I became weak, and I became strong, and I became this, I became that. I got rich, and I did this so I could reach rich people. I did this because I... No, he said I was made these things. I think that's an important truth. Do you know what Christ will do in your life to prepare you to reach people if you have a sincere heart? He'll make you some things. You know what he'll do? He'll bring hurt in your life so that you can become weak and understand the needs of people that you're going to reach. You know why we're struggling today with reaching people? Because we haven't let God make us what he wants us to be. Because we don't really want... To be able to identify with hurt. But you know the only way that you'll ever really be able to help people. Is if you have been made. And molded by Jesus Christ. So that means you have to permit things in your life. That are at times even uncomfortable. So that you can become and be made. All things to all men. That you might win some. That's a tough pill to swallow for all of us. But it's a wonderful truth, and it's not something that we buck after we've been involved in it. Sooner or later, we begin to learn to appreciate what Christ is doing as we see his omnipotent hand in our life. He says, eventually, verse 23, And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. 
Aren't you glad about that? I mean, we're going to get a crown one day, but it ain't going to fade just because, you know, of t- over time. I mean, it's an incorruptible crown. That means whatever you do for Christ in this life is something that will last for eternity. Versus doing something in this life for self or for other motivation that ultimately, at the end of this life, simply corrupts, rusts, and eventually decays. Notice he goes on to say, verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertain, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Why? Because I want that incorruptible crown. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He doesn't at any point want to become an illustration of somebody's message. He said, I've got to be careful. I've got to keep dying to self. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Let's just be honest in this world we live in. The devil seems to be standing right over here on our shoulder, just waiting to get us to just hook us with sin in our life. Don't, you can't tell me that you haven't experienced what I have, that it just seems like opportunity knocks. You could just sin at any time. I mean, it's just like the devil just makes it available nowadays. It's really available today, isn't it? At every turn. I'm not answering. I'm not answering. Look out the peephole. Whoa. I saw more than I wanted to see. I'm not answering. You know what I'm talking about. And that's how life is today. You, you got that, you know, in the hotel room, you know, somebody knocks at your door. One thing you learn real quick, you don't open a door at night. Especially if you're a guy in a room by yourself. You don't just open doors because someone knocks. You look out that little peephole and you make sure it's not a woman that's looking for business. Because who knows, maybe they got a little camera back there. They'll try to ruin your reputation, gentlemen. Try to ruin your marriage. Try to step in there and wreck your life. Listen, you've got to use wisdom in this life. And just like you look through that little peephole to be careful what you're going to let into your life, you've got to do that in every aspect of your life because the devil's knocking. You better look and check. And then sometimes you even get more than you expected. Even at that, you think, wow, I feel dirty already. Let me go take a shower again. You better be careful because he's out there knocking. The Apostle Paul says, I do not want to become a casualty in this battle. There's too much at stake here. Not only is my future blessing at stake, but my present testimony. There are so many people that are watching me and that are, that are literally riding my back right through the Christian life. If I fall, I take them with me. And just because you're not maybe the pastor of Community Baptist Temple, don't think for a minute that there aren't those that are riding on your faith. Sadly enough, people are wrecked and ruined because of the testimony of a loved one, a friend, or another professing believer. Let's not be the reason why someone else says, I don't go to church because they're full of hypocrites. Because I knew this Christian once. Paul says, I don't want to be that one. Matter of fact, Paul says, man, listen, I got too much to live for. There's some things that are really important going on in my life. And there are things that are really important going on in the kingdom of God. 
And the thing that's most important, the thing that just grabs my attention, that one thing that my passion is focused on, is the souls of men and women. He could not get out of his mind the fact that people were dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. He couldn't shake that thought. I remember reading about John Knox, the great preacher. He said, oh, give me, oh, God, give me Scotland or I die. Give me Scotland or I die. And you know, Paul's prayer is very the same. He says, oh, God, give me, this, give me souls or I die. I want to reach people with the gospel, was Paul's point. In Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He says, as I look at my, my brethren, the, the other Jews that are around me, those of my nationality and my upbringing, my, my birth people, how my heart breaks. I'm so heavy and so burdened down to know that they're lost and without Christ, that they're basing their heaven on works and their ability to please God in their own effort. I can't stand the thought of them dying and perishing in that place. His heart breaks. It weighs heavy. In Romans 10.1, he says, Brethren, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I wonder today, and again, I must admit there are times in my life where those burdens and those desires are burning brighter than at other times. I wonder tonight, do you share that consuming passion for the souls of men, the souls of women? Do we really have any real concern, real care for them? Are we doing anything to get them saved? I'm so glad there's a number of people in our church that go out on Saturdays that genuinely try to reach people with the gospel and learn the plan and try to really nail down this Romans road, so to speak, and is able to lead people down that road to salvation. But more than just a day of the week, more than just a time to go out, is there really a burning desire to see people saved? It's so easy, isn't it, to get engaged or get involved in so many other activities and other matters today in our life. You know, there's just so many other things going on, and it just seems that in, as a whole, Christians as a whole, the church, at least in America, seems to be failing in this great and very, well, priority or supreme objective. And so tonight, I just want to begin to share with you a couple of things. First of all, the main objective in every Christian's life should be the salvation of souls. That ought to be the main objective. Now, we, we, we're not going to lie to each other tonight, okay? Let's just be honest with each other. That's not always the main objective in any one of our lives. Why is that? That's a constant battle in this flesh we live in. You know, selfishness 
in most cases, in, in a number of, in the world at least, reign supreme. Now, when I'm, conf- when I'm focused on myself, I can't possibly be concerned about others. And I think every, and, and again, if I'm wrong, and maybe you don't fit in this category, but if, if I think that most people, maybe all believers, war with not being distracted by other things. And we find ourselves at times not as concerned about the primary objective as we should be. And that's other souls. I, I, I'm guilty of this. You say, are you sure that ought to be our main objective? Shouldn't our main objective as believers be to honor God? It is. I understand that. But if you aren't concerned about souls, how can you honor God? I mean, let's get down to it. I mean, we're talking about objectives. We're talking about things you can actually, are tangible things that you do as believers, that I do as as a believer. I mean, the Lord himself came to seek and to save that which was lost. What better job to do than what he did? As a matter of fact, he tells us that in Luke 19, 10. We have his example. And then he goes on in John 9, 4 to say, but I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He said, I got to work those things. I got to do those things. And he says, not only do we see his example here, but we note his expectation in John 20, 21, when he says, then said Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you as my father has sent me. Even so send I you. It is our main objective. It is one of those simple things. If, I'm not going, then I'm not. If I'm not going, what am I not doing? I'm not obeying. And when I say going, we're not just talking about Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We're not talking about being at the go rally like you ought to be at 930. We're not talking about that. We're talking about literally going into a world and everywhere we go, we take the gospel. Because the gospel is really written in red on our hearts. We are living testaments of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see his example. We see his expectation. And here's the thing too. And I I, want to make this distinction because I think it's a tremendous distinction here. The main objective again in every Christian's life should be the salvation of souls. There is a difference between being evangelical and being evangelistic. There's a difference. Again, let me say that. There's a difference between being evangelical versus being evangelistic. Let me explain what that is. A Christian or a church can be very evangelical without being at all evangelistic. See... It's easy to become inward-looking and not outward-reaching. See, the Bible says, hold fast the faithful word. But we can also hold fast the faithful word without holding forth the word of life. And both of them are commanded in the Bible. In Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. But hold on, Philippians 2.16 says, holding forth the word of life. 
that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So there's a distinction that must be made. You can be evangelical, but not evangelistic. You can be concerned about souls inwardly, but not reaching out for them. Don't you see that today in our world, our culture, and our churches? I, I can tell you, I, I have watched it happen in churches. I, I have watched, I, I was often baffled by this thought. When I, I, I actually read that, I didn't make that up, I read that somewhere. And when I read it, I thought, that makes perfect sense to me. Because I know churches that are Baptist, where the pastor and I believe the people are extremely evangelical. Oh, they talk about winning souls. They talk about, you know, the need for Christ. They talk about heaven. They talk about hell. They say it's important that everybody gets saved. But they aren't evangelistic. Oh, it's in here, but it doesn't get out here. And let me tell you something. The Bible says we're to be not only evangelical in our, our heart in the sense that we're concerned about souls, but we're to be reaching forth unto them. People are not going to get the gospel simply because we, have a, we, we want them saved. Boy, I'm really hoping that Sean gets saved. I'm really hoping Sean gets saved. If he doesn't get saved, he will die and perish and spend an eternity in hell. I sure hope Sean gets saved. Let's pray that Sean gets saved. Everybody pray with me. Sean gets saved. God saves Sean. Because if he doesn't get saved... Listen, that's what goes on in most churches. You know what, doesn't, what never happens? Hey, Sean. I'm concerned about your soul. I'm just curious. Do you know 100% for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Do you got that settled? Because I'm worried about it. Can I take a moment and show you from this book, the Bible that you love and you believe? Now, he doesn't have to be Baptist to know the Bible is the Word of God. Can I use that Bible you grew up believing was the Word of God and just show you how you can know? You know what the difference is? Being evangelical versus evangelistic. There's a difference. Hey, listen, you know what the difference is? We're knocking on doors today, folks. It's going out. So good to see you today, sir. I'm Mark O'Donnell from Community Baptist. We'd love to invite you to our church. God bless you, brother. We have a great program at the church. We are certainly concerned about people. We'd love to have you, brother. Won't you come to church? I know churches do that all the time. You know what that is? That's evangelical. Let me share something with you. Let me tell you how evangelistic works. Now, not every single time you knock on the door, not every single time you go out. There may be a time and a place for that. But if there's not a time for this one, you're not, evang- you're not evangelistic. Brother, I'm Mark O'Donnell, and uh, I'm from Community Baptist Temple. And blah, 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 blah. But before I go, I want to ask you the most important question anyone could ever ask you. If you died today, are you 100% for sure you go to heaven? Tough question, isn't it? You say you hope so. If you could know 100% sure you're on your way to heaven, wouldn't that be good news? Can I take a moment and show you from that book, the Bible, the Word of God, how you can know? That's the difference. Evangelical versus evangelistic. There is a difference. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm not putting down anybody. I'm telling you, there's a time and a place to do the first. 
There's a time and a place just to pass out tracts. There's a time and a place just to do this and that. But my point being is, is just, just being nice to people is not being evangelistic. And, and, and there's a difference. And the Bible tells us that the main objective of every Christian's life should be the salvation of souls. Why? Because we have Christ's example. We have His expectation. And we have this reality of evangelism. It is our responsibility to reach the world. And they won't get reached simply because we want them reached. There has to be an effort put forth to reach out to them. Brother Kavanaugh and I have talked about passing out water. We're going to pass out some water in the future. It'll have the gospel message on it. It'll have our something about our church on it. I don't want to pass out water if it don't have a gospel message on it. I don't want to pass out uh, water if it doesn't somehow connect me to somebody and I can say to them, hey, listen, we're concerned about you. Now, hold on a second. There may be a time and a place to pass out water and we don't have time to witness to people. We can't do that. That doesn't mean it's not evangelistic in our heart. We're trying. But at some point, we got to go out to somebody and say, hey, are you saved? You know for sure you're on your way to heaven because if you don't, you can. Somehow, some way, somewhere, somebody's got to get reached. And again, every time I go down to the Burger King, I don't get a chance to witness to somebody. But man, my heart ought to ache. I ought to be saying, Lord, bring somebody in my way, my pathway today. Help me to come into contact with somebody that I can influence for the cause of Christ, especially have an opportunity to lead to Jesus. Lord, help me to find that person. Bring them in my life. Lord, help me to be on the watch, on the prowl. You know, you know what the real issue is today? We go through life like this. And you say, no, we don't. Think about this for a minute. If you're like me, sometimes you do. I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm confessing today before you. I, there are times I don't want to go inside to a bank because I don't want to have to pass a track out. I'd rather go through the ATM because I just don't have to deal with people. But let me tell you something. What I just did was this. I don't want to see, don't want to see, don't want to see, don't want to see, don't want to see. I don't want to have to have to deal with somebody. I don't want to talk to somebody. There might be a number of reasons why that's the case. But the bottom line is sometimes I want to close my eyes to the needs of people. But you know what? My main job shouldn't be to cash that check. My main job isn't just to get through the line. My main job is to be on the look for souls. Hey, listen. I'm supposed to be a preacher. I should be really good at this, I know, but I fight with this sometimes. I war with it too. And that's why our relationship with the Lord better be what it ought to be or we'll never find ourselves with open eyes. Instead, we'll go through life closed eye, hoping we don't run into somebody we have to talk to. What about that buddy at work that you know that you've never talked to and you've used the excuse all this time now, been three years you've been working with him. And all you keep saying is, well, if I'd witness to them, then I, you know, I have to work with them. I don't want to offend them. Then they'll be upset with me, and I've got to work with them. And you know, if I invite them out to church and tell them that they need Christ or something, then the next thing I know, the boss will be mad at me. I'll probably lose my job. Oh, come on. You good worker? I mean, if you're really good at what you do, I promise you bosses are a lot more lenient. And as believers, you ought to be the best on your job. You ought to be the hardest worker there. I think if you've been some time, you've been there three years already, I think that you have, you'll be able to talk to that friend real quick. And by the way, if you have a friend at work, somebody you've been in contact with, why don't you try to get them alone at lunchtime? Take them to lunch. Meet them for dinner. Do something with them. Get to know them and nail them with the gospel.
I didn't get to leave my whole crew to Christ when I was working at the uh, warehouse there when I was started the church, but a number of them came to church, and I did get to lead a couple of them to Christ there. I took the time to do that. I would sit there and go to them during my breaks, my lunch sometimes, and talk to them. Not every day, not every opportunity, but when I felt the Lord was leading and I was definitely praying and asking for opportunities. We all need to do that. That's what our job is. That's our main goal. That's our main objective. So the main objective in every Christian's life should be the salvation of souls. Number two, and this will be the one we'll end on tonight, every soul we touch is to be regarded as a potential Christian. Every soul you touch is to be regarded as a potential Christian. Brother Dean got talking to somebody at his work, and it just happened that this guy, actually I think the guy might have approached you, tried to lead you to Christ. I'm not sure. My understanding is from the note, that's a possibility. That doesn't usually happen, does it, Dean? But somebody came to Dean at his work and tried to get him saved. Now, Dean, of course, is very hard-hearted. He never did comply and wouldn't get saved. But, nonetheless, I thought that was pretty good. Well, that guy ends up calling, you know, and I, I haven't had a chance to reach him yet. But, but he called, you know, and he's got a heart for people. He's got a heart for souls. I said he made a difference. He didn't get a chance to lead Dean to Christ. But if he goes out and talks to enough people... At Staples, sooner or later, somebody's going to let him take a Bible and show him how to get saved. Now, here's the thing. If that guy never did that, Dean would have never been approached. How many times has somebody come to you and asked you, if you died, you'd go to heaven? First time, first time like in, what, a week? In my whole life. In your whole life. Isn't that something? And that happened to him at work. Did they fire you? You mean that somebody came to your work and tried to talk to you about the gospel and you didn't get fired? So you mean if I go to his work and talk to one of the employees and give them a track, talk to them about Christ, I won't, they won't get fired either probably, huh? Now they may not be able to talk to me very long, but at least they won't, they won't get fired for me trying to help them, will they? You get where I'm going with this? We act like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I, you know, they'll lose their job. He didn't lose his job. I'm just saying... We've got to be a little more bold. We've got to be a little more outward. Because every soul we touch is to be regarded as a potential Christian. God does not bring people in our pathway coincidentally. It's always on purpose. You have something that no one else has many times. You have Christ. I have Christ. Now listen. I got the weather... I got, an, I, I got an iPhone, I can just touch on the weather button, and boom, I know what the weather is. Now, it doesn't mean it's right, but I got the weather. I got the weather. I, you know what I got? I got an opinion about the debate last night. I got an opinion. I, I'm still trying to understand why, can I just say this? I'm trying to understand why we haven't dealt with gay marriage yet. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure that out. Why isn't that an issue? Is that not an issue? I hope it's an issue for you. I hope you vote on morals this election and not what you think is best for your economy. I hope you vote morally because righteousness exalteth a nation. That's what I know. I don't know about any one of these guys' plans to get us out of debt. I don't think anybody knows. 
But what I do know is that righteousness exalteth the nation. And as believers, we ought to be concerned about righteousness. I'm sorry there's not more amens in this crowd. And that scares the life out of me. It does. It scares. I'm going to preach a message coming up pretty soon. Not on that issue specifically, but I'm going to preach a message. It's going to really be cool. No, I mean really. It's going to be awesome. Can I be honest? I'm stealing this thought from some other preacher that I heard. I'm stealing it as I can steal it. Now, he stole You know where he stole it from? The Bible. I'm just going to steal it from him. Just the illustration. It's such a good illustration. I'm going to preach on it. But I'm concerned today about our thinking. How's come we think just like everyone else? When I say we, I'm just trying to be kind. Not everybody thinks that way. But isn't it sad that believers think the same way the world does? Buy into the same propaganda? Follow with the same kind of morality? Find nothing wrong with sin the same way the world doesn't? I'm not saying that you don't love sinners. I'm so sick and tired of having to somehow justify saying that we hate sin. Does it bother you? Just because you don't like sin, you're considered a hater? That bother you? Bothers me. I love people. I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't love people. I wouldn't spend the hours, the time. Neither would you. It's amazing to me. I'm getting off that subject because we got to close. Wednesday nights are fun because we don't we don't have to be so correct. Get away from the outline every once in a while every soul we touch is we regards a potential christian see god includes all he includes all in first corinthians nine twenty two, the apostle made this statement as we read it already in corinthians to the weak became i as weak that i might gain the weak i am made all things to all men that i might by all means save some god includes all no changes everybody included no changes he says in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. I'm going to tell you something. You walk into prison, and you preach, and you talk to those men back in those cells. You know what the first advice they give you? First thing they tell you not to do when you go in with the Rock of Ages or some other prison group? They say, do not ask them what they did to get here. You want to know why you don't ask people that question? Because you may be tempted not to want to help them. You understand what I'm saying to you? What I'm saying is, is in this flesh, it's easy to look at people and and come up with our own perspective, and we then begin to judge whether or not they deserve Christ. Let me tell you something. It's not our job to determine who deserves Christ. Everybody included. No changes. And God intends all to hear. Everybody to hear. In 1 Peter 3, 5, he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Notice the answer is in meekness and fear. Not fear like, I'm afraid to talk to you. That's not the fear. It's fear of God. 
meekness and fear. I mean, and trembling in the sense of, this is an awesome responsibility. I, I'm so fearful of God wanting to please my master, and I'm so fearful of, of saying something that would ultimately condemn this sinner to hell. I'm so concerned that what I, how I respond, because it may make the difference between heaven and hell in their life. Meekness and fear. God intends all to hear, though. And we need answers. We've got to share those answers. And we find them in the Word of God. Every soul we touch is to be regarded as a potential Christian. The bottom line is, I run across a tough customer like this guy. Look how rough he is. If I didn't know any better, it looks like he's got fangs. It's a tough customer right here. And I look at him, I go, man, I don't know. I don't want to witness to him. God says everybody. Man, everybody. But he's a tough customer. He isn't going to care anyway. Really? That's not our responsibility. Man, we got the love of Christ. We want to share that with people. So I'm going to share the gospel with him. But he might eat me alive. Maybe. He might. I had a guy one time say to me, I was talking to him. And he said, you don't want to talk to me. I'll knock you on your rear end. He didn't say that, though. I said, you're big enough. I probably couldn't do anything about it anyway. But I said, man, listen. I said, I got a message from the king. He loves you and he wants me to tell you. He listened to me. He didn't get saved, but he listened. So let me tell you something. There's some things we can't change. We can't worry about things like that. We do what we can, and everybody, everybody's supposed to hear. And as a believer, it's our main objective. It's our main objective. If I was perfect at this, I'd be in heaven. I'm not perfect at it. None of us are perfect at it. But we ought to make it We ought to do it on purpose, though. I just want to encourage you, as I seek to encourage myself, to be more bold with the gospel. To realize and recognize that this is a responsibility, but it is also a privilege. What a great opportunity we have to make a real difference in lives. You can feed somebody. You can put clothes on their back. You can give them money to pay their bills. But to think that what you have will enable you to meet them one day in heaven. You share that with them. There is no feeling in the world and no privilege in the world like that. I just want to encourage you to be that witness. Wherever you go, whatever you do, make it your main business. It was Jesus' main business when he was on earth. And that's the business he left for us to do while we're here. To seek and to save that which was lost. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be your child. And Lord, not one of us has this all figured out. Not 